Hello world, welcome to Young's Uplifting Expressions with yours truly, Darlene. Motivating, encouraging, inspiring is who I am and that is what I do. So, it is time to get up, to get moving, and to live. It's time for you to live your life. Before we go any farther, I want to briefly recap last week's show. We had an amazing guest. Her name is Kelly Lane. She has a wonderful network about women under construction, and she talked about rebuilding women. If you missed that show on last week, go to e-linetv.com. It's a great show to watch. Of course, you know, I think all of our shows are great. Each week, we have or I have an inspirational note. And the word that I am going to focus on today is create. The scripture that I want to refer to is from Genesis 1 and 1 that says God created the heavens and the earth. Well, you know, in Genesis, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was without form. The earth was void. Sounds like it was chaos or something had happened before. And so there had to be a vision and imagination from within the creator to take nothing more or less and structure it and bring life to it. So in this creation, that which God has, because he made us in his image, there is a creator that lives on the inside of you. It doesn't matter where you've been, but it does matter where you are right now. And it does matter that you move forward in your life. God could have looked at this universe that we live in, that we call planet Earth. I don't know what took place prior to everything being in a mess. And, he, and, the, and God could have said, forget this. But no, he was not selfish. He had, a, he had you and I in mind. And he has given you and I a responsibility to pursue his kingdom, to nurture his kingdom. So what's in front of you, don't see it as a negative. See what you can take. See how you can produce. See how you can multiply. See, don't come up with excuses. Instead, you want to move forward in it. You can do it. You know why? Because the Bible tells us that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. So 
in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and things in his atmosphere. They were not looking good. So whatever's going on in your atmosphere, and it may be looking good, but continue to pursue it, continue to grow from it. So be creative. One last thing before the break. You know, each week we have a trivia question. And today's trivia question, I consider it to be a fun one. And that trivia question is, historically, what has been the significance of African-American women hairstyle? And you know, we'll answer that question during the African Connection segment. It's time for a commercial break. I'll see you shortly. Love Yana uh, Transitional Housing is about to uh, take place and acquire their first home. So we're on the journey right now looking for, you know, the home that we're going to actually choose. I am Keontae Webster, Empowerment for the Powerless. I am from Florida, Mississippi. Welcome back, viewers, or shall I say we're continuing with our storytelling. You know, I love storytelling. Each week, I'm asking you to please go to my website at yuexpressions.com. I would love for you to share a story that I can share to our read over this time of Young's Uplifting Expressions. Your stories do matter. Today, I am continuing with Avail the Journal. And the story that I'm going to read to you today is coming from Dr. Phil Cook, PhD. He is a filmmaker, media consultant, and author of the upcoming book, Your Influence, How to Make Digital Media Work for Your Church. However, the title of his story is Over Your Head the art of leading people smarter than you. He says, on numerous projects during my career, the stakes have been high. Once I directed a short film for Dentsu Advertising in Tokyo, another and another project was directing an expensive music video that launched a pop album with Universal Music Group. Then there was a live global satellite event beaming into 150 countries. In these and other cases, it was a major project and the pressure was significant. Perhaps even more challenging with those projects, he says, I was almost leading teams that were in the most cases more experienced and significantly smarter than me. For instance, I remember multiple times when I worked with a pretty famous A-list director of photography and was worried that on the set, the crew would be more loyal and respectful to him than to me. 
Working on great projects can be exhilarating, but honestly, intimidating as well. But from those experiences, I learned a lot about how to lead when you're not the best or smartest person on the team. If it hasn't happened to you, it probably will in the future. So here's a handful of principles I learned. Dr. Cook says, number one, lead softly. I worked for leaders who, when intimidated by their team, clamped down the absolute worst thing you can do. Stop rem reminding them that you're in charge or trying to prove how smart you are. You don't need to defend yourself. You're the leader, period. Remember, if you have to constantly remind the team that you're the leader, then you're really not the leader. Number two, acknowledge their strengths. Nothing wins a team over like knowing you value their expertise and appreciate them being there. Don't hoard praise. Let them know you're glad. Each one is, the, is on the team and you're depending on them. Before I go farther with this story, when I read this one about acknowledge their strengths and you may say, how does this relate? I think about Peter when he was walking on the water and Jesus of course didn't have to be intimidated by anybody, but he imparted something in each one of his disciples. And remember when Peter was walking out there on the water and he thought, hey, I can do this too. Jesus already knew that Peter was going to sink. He already knew that he was going to face some sense of fear. But the leadership in Jesus, he did not condemn him. He did not tell him you should have stayed on that boat. But whatever in that launching out or whatever it is as you know, even if your team is not the greatest, or even if they are the greatest, always extend that hand of help, always extend that hand of encouragement, of encouragement, that, that, and this is what this leader is saying, you've got to encourage, you got to be there in the strengths and in the weaknesses of your team. The third thing that uh, Dr. Cook says, don't let them see you sweat. Now, Jesus will see us sweat, but no, he's got you, okay? That's not just a cute saying, it's an absolute necessity. If you're the leader, then your team needs to know you have a plan. Once they start sensing you're in over your head, it will be like sharks to blood. Not necessarily because they're bad people, but when a leadership vacuum happens, someone will step in to take over. So be the alpha. The next step is respect them and ask for their opinion and feedback. Create a big tent. You may feel like that could open the door to someone nudging you out. But, ex but exactly the opposite happens. They feel much more positive about contributing and will respect you 
for opening the door. And finally, leverage their strengths. Most of us know the frustration of working with a team that's under par. So be sure to maximize the moment when you have a great team. Worry less about how little you may know and enjoy the benefits of leveraging their brilliance. Steve Jobs famously said, it doesn't make sense to hire smart people and tell them what to do. We hire smart people so they can tell us what to do. That's great advice. Now go out there in confidence and lead talented people to accomplish great things. Sports is a major event in our culture. And coaches, whether it's softball or baseball or tennis or coach over football or basketball, the coach is the leader of the team. Now, do you think those coaches are able to go out there and actually play those different positions? No, they do not. However, as a coach, one of the challenges that they have is to see the greatness of their team and to also see the weaknesses of their team. And so as a coach, and Jesus is our great coach, because he said he has a plan and a purpose for our lives, but we have to follow his instructions and we have to stay consistent and persistent in the grind. And he's saying, come on, I got you. And so that's how we have to be as leaders. We are to let the, our light shine before men and women so that God can, so that people can see our good works they need to see the character of Jesus in us. They need to see the spirit of, of Jesus in us because there may be someone on your team who even though they could be excellent and outstanding in their performance, but there may be something lacking on the inside that they need. And what they need to see is the Jesus in you as you're helping them develop to do great things because as you're helping them to do great things, you too are doing great things because you're taking care of God's kingdom. And we have to give an account for taking care of God's kingdom. So with that being said, over your head, the art of leading people smarter than you, hey, it's okay because it doesn't minimize you when you do it the right way. It makes everybody look great. But when you do it to the glory of God, if he be exalted, then you and your team will be lifted up. When we're going to come back after the break, we have an outstanding guest today, Apostle Davis. I can feel it in my soul. I don't know how this interview is going to go, but I know there is a message from this great man of God that is coming after the commercial break. We will be with Apostle Davis after 
the break. It is time for us to talk to Apostle Davis of Creative Arts Ministry. And I want to make sure I'm saying it right from West Memphis, Arkansas. Hello, yes, Apostle Davis. How are you doing? I'm well, Ms. Darlene. I am so excited to be on uh, your show on today and uh, just blessed and in favorite of God, I tell you, the senior leader here at Kingdom Seekers International Ministries of the Arts in uh, West Memphis, Arkansas, by way of Chicago, Illinois. Grew up in Chicago, Illinois, and uh, grew up singing uh, music since I was five years old and happened to go down to Birmingham, Alabama, to the American Gospel Quartet Convention, uh, where I um, founded their, uh, we call, I call them dad. George W. Stewart and Mom Stewart, and I am so grateful that I had an opportunity to do that because 18 years ago, going to the convention thinking I would get a record deal, I ended up meeting the love of my life, and she happened to be on your show a few weeks yeah. ago. Yes. Uh, uh -huh. met Brother Jessica Davis and uh, Selby Davis, Selby at the time, now she's Davis, and thank God 18 years later, uh, we're still married and loving one another one son, one grandchild, and just living our life to please God. Amen. Yes, we, we really enjoyed her a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you have produced numerous plays. Where did your love for the arts come from? Oh, wow. I, I've always been a, a lover of the arts. Um, had an opportunity to go to an exclusive art school in Chicago. Uh, by the name of Lincoln Park, coming into high school, always loved music. Mm -hmm. uh, listen, I, I guess I was an actor early because I just, I just didn't know it then. I wish I would have known it so I wouldn't have gotten so many whoopings. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I was. I've always enjoyed um, the arts, and God just really have. Um, he put it in me early, and we st started manifesting it about eleven years ago. The Lord told us to change the mission of our ministry and use the arts as the missile head for salvation, restoration, healing, and deliverance. And when we did that, we've just seen massive miracles, signs and wonders take place as a result. Fuse together ministry and the creative arts to educate, activate, cultivate. That's what you just told us, the ascension gifts in the body of Christ. And how do you go about making that happen? How do you do that? Well, you know, the Lord, the, the, the Lord began to speak to us years ago. And he said, listen, he said, there are so many people in the church world 
who have unique gifts that in many cases are not being used. You know, you look at the average church, you have the ushers, the choir members, you have the deacons, a minister, so forth and so on. But what about those that have a gift of poetry or those who know that they're gifted to do floor arrangements or the martial arts? And so um, we felt led by the Holy Spirit to create a ministry that whatever your unique gift was, you can use it for the glory of God. Mm -hmm. So many people, I believe, have used their gifts uh, in many cases for negativity because church as we've known it before was not as open if you will, to, to the gifts. But God, God allowed us to create this ministry where people have really had an opportunity to dig into who they was at the core of their heart and not what people made them to be. You know, I'm listening to you, um, Apostle Davis, and I'm thinking about, you know, from the traditional Baptist church in the community in which I lived in. And traditional church was, you know, you are an usher, you sing in the choir and then in some churches, you know, they didn't want the music or the clapping of the hands, that kind of thing. You go to Sunday school and it was this memorization. However, if you think about it, a lot of these gifts, you know, I am of the opinion that they should start within the body of Christ. So yes. the arts, because you know, the dance, my church was against the dance kind of thing, but actually that's all of that is a form of worship. So I do think that we are growing in that area. As a matter of fact, we know that the dance and some other things have been incorporated more in our church. And there's a lot to be said in, you know, with making that happen. Yes. Yes. Okay. I read that you have a series titled Crazy Faith for Radical Results. Oh, yes. <laughs> what does that mean? Amen. Well, listen, our, we, we're currently reading the book by uh, Mike Todd, powerful man of God. And uh, we're reading his book during our Sunday services right now. And uh, it has been a miracle to us. We have seen uh, so many of our parishioners just use their crazy faith. Many of them are opening up businesses. Many of them have took out opportunities to uh, get out of debt along with, uh, we've in this month of February, we actually married a couple. Both of them had been uh, divorced previously and had mm -hmm. both decided they were never gonna get married again. They had been too hurt, too wounded. And uh, thanks be unto God, after counseling and some crazy faith, they decided to tie the knot again. So we, we've seen so many different avenues where this crazy faith is working for the people of God that would use it. You know, the Bible teaches that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So we're telling them you can use your faith more than just to get a house or a car, uh -huh. but you can use your faith, amen, to actually be open to love again, to be right. open, to be healed, to really receive what God has uh, called you to have. You're making me think about the story about the man and he talked about the leadership, you know, talked about the team and all it's about kingdom building, you know, creating, whereas it sounds like in some instances, these people that the couple who said, hey, I don't want to be married anymore. That was that void in their life where they said it was in chaos. It was in shambles. So, hey, yes. at this point, 
So you're saying to them, wait a minute now, you can recover from this, you you can heal from this, you know, so that that's uh, one of those things. What are some other stories in terms of even with your folks reading the book um, about uh, which is Mike Todd's book, some other things that you have to happen in your ministry, some other examples. Oh man, just, I mean, just seeing God allow people to really tap into the faith that can produce, you know, we don't want, we don't want that kind of faith that makes you judgmental <laughs> or causes you to talk about things that you uh, have never, uh, will never see. I'm talking about the kind of faith that will cause you to really allow God to push you. Uh, here, here, here is something the Lord has been speaking to me so strongly. The Lord spoke, he said, listen, he said, I can push you, but I can't drag you. All right. I can push you, but I can't drag you. And I said, I said, Holy Spirit, what are you saying? He said, I am a pusher that if you desire to do something, if you know you've been called to do it and you're willing to accept the push, he said, I'll push you, but I, I, I cannot drag you. You know, it's, it, the word of God teaches us the word of God says that um, in, in, in so many words, the Bible said that men, all these things, we're more than conquerors. So if we ever grab a hold to that and say, listen, you don't have to force me. You don't have to uh, make me. I voluntarily surrender my life to the will that you have for it. Mm -hmm. And once you do that, the Lord will push you. He will catapult you into realms that you've never experienced before. Me and you both are sitting here right now because we could stand a push. Amen, amen. And as you were saying that, I was thinking even about, you know, me with this podcast show, I remember um, I had been in Atlanta visiting a dear friend. She had this annual event called the Purple Ball. And I met mm -hmm. uh, a, a minister there and um, connected with her for a short period of time. And she asked me, hey, have you ever thought about doing a radio show? And I'm like, no. But when she said it, I actually envisioned myself sitting behind a microphone. And then later she said podcast. And I'm like, oh, but no. You, but anyway, to make a long story short, I chose another avenue, but I really didn't know what I was doing. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh -huh, I really did not. And um, so, but a couple of people said sometimes God just wants to see if we're going to take that first step of faith. Like you said, he's Come not here push us, but he won't drag us. And mm -hmm. so, you know, things did not go as I had anticipated. So I switched venues, but even prior to switching venues, I had gone on a fast. Yes. And so the last day of my fast, the CEO of Eline called me. She didn't know I had been on a fast, but every time I would talk to her and her marketing director together, there was a leaping that was taking place on the inside of me, okay? Mm. So, and even throughout this whole process, there has been a growth that is taking place in my life. 
So, oh, yes. you know, it's like because I took that leap of faith, that first step, it's like the the spirit of God keeps taking me in different avenues. And even the guests that are coming on the shows is fulfilling to me. I tell people all the time, send us your story. You got a oh, story yes. out there to tell somebody that's going to help them in this journey called life. So I just wanted to share that because this experience with me, even in this podcast show, it's like I said, okay, God, if this is what you're saying, then I've got to see some results from it. And surely enough, it, I'm being developed in the midst of it. Oh, and I yes. know that I'm with the right team in the process of it. So, oh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Oh, yes. 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 So That's that. what we are. And I, I believe even right now, even as your listeners are listening in right now, I believe that someone through this show today is saying, it's time for me to be pushed. It's yes. time for me to say, you know what? I played it safe my whole life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I've, I've always tried to have every T crossed and every I dotted. But there come a season in your life where you say, Lord, I'm throwing caution to the wind. I'm, I, I cannot continue to regard the wind before I sow and step out into what the Lord has ordained. And I'm tell, I have seen people who had literally come to a place in their life where they was willing to die where they was until they allowed God to push them in their destiny and new life sprung forth. Mm-hmm. And I just prophesied that to those of you that are listening, that new life is getting ready to spring forth uh, to every area of you to the point to where you want to get you want to get up again in the morning. <laughs> you know, you want to you, you, you want to you want to see what's next. You want to love again. Um, actually, there's something that we use at our church all the time that we're in a season where we're going to love like we've never been hurt again. Amen. 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 We will love like we've never been hurt. And that's, that's, that's what we stand on. So I just, I just admonish those that are listening today, be everything that God created you to be. It may seem awkward or it may seem as if like what you're doing is not what people wanted you to do or mm-hmm. what they wanted you to be. But I'm telling you, the greatest fulfillment is knowing that I heard God and I obeyed. Yes, amen, amen, amen. There are rewards in obeying God. We are having a great time with Apostle Jonathan Davis from West Memphis, Arkansas. He's not going anywhere, but it is time for a commercial break. talking to apostle davis and we are having ah 
He is really giving us some words of inspiration to move forward in this journey called life. Apostle Davis. Yes, ma'am. You have a new play coming out titled, Don't Make Me Pay for What They Did. Will you tell us something oh, yes. about that? <laughs> oh, yes. Well, we're, we're, we're excited. Actually, the play is... Um, traveling across the country now. We're on our way to Texas uh, in the month of March with the production. And this production was written about two sisters who have both experienced trauma in their life. And now they're at a place where they have to make some hard decisions. You know, one of the sisters have to make a hard decision in one way, and the other sister have to make a hard decision in the other. And I think that we're in a culture now where you know, we, we don't teach people anymore that you got to make the hard decisions. Right. You know, sometimes it's just easier to, to push everything under the rug or live in a bubble. Mm -hmm. But there comes a time where you where the rubber meets the road, as my big mama would say. Mm -hmm. And you got to be honest with yourself and honest with what's going on in your life. So it's a great play. It's a urban social drama stage play and, and mm -hmm. people loving it across the country. And so we hope to come to a city near you. Yes, we hope you'll come to our city as well. Another thing I wanted to, is to mention that you said in the play about the two sisters and the trauma. And, mm -hmm. and viewers, as they're listening, noticed in the beginning when God created, there was void, there was chaos. Apparently it sounds like something must have gone wrong, but mm -hmm. there had to be some restoring, some rebuilding, some reviving. And you were talking about um, even with the the sisters there was some trauma trauma happens it's real sweeping stuff under the carpet is never good and to the body of christ we have a responsibility the church is supposed to be that place where healing and restoring and restoration can take place we're not in this journey called life alone so we all have something that we that needs to be you know, you, you don't have to tell everybody everything, but yes. it, you, you, that's not what we're saying. But go to God and be honest in your prayer time. You can sit yes. and have a conversation with him. In Psalm, it says, blessed is the man that don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, but you do want to get counsel from the godly. And in this journey called life, those saints don't think sometimes you may that you don't ever. Sometimes you may need to go to a psychologist or a psychiatrist, just like you do a regular physician. There's something to be said in that, because in life, hey, we all get shattered sometimes. We all get shaken yes. through the process, but it doesn't mean that those broken pieces cannot be like going on that potter's wheel that yeah, they can't be restructured, redesigned and made all over again. So I, 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 I'm going to see about getting to see your play, okay? All Listen, right. I, 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 I want to say this, Ms. Darlene, if I can. That's yeah, the ahead. power of the arts. We've, we've experienced doing plays. As a matter of fact, we've had literally over 700 people give their life to God Amen. in the last... 10 years that we've been doing play ministry and uh, we've seen people who had hell uh, traumas from childhood on up to 80 years old. Mm -hmm. We had a lady one time, she was about 80 years old who had been molested, beaten, mm -hmm. abused, came up at the end of one of the plays with tears in her eyes and say, I've never had an outlet open enough for me to even share 
some of the traumas that I've had. And that woman gave her life to God that night. So that's the power of the arts that we're able to create a storyline. Yes. But this storyline is more than for entertainment, but it's for salvation, restoration, healing, and deliverance. And that's that's the power of this. That's why I tell people there is no way that God would give you such an amazing gift and he can't benefit his kingdom behind it or with it. That's right. Those are words of wisdom. I was talking to a family member recently and she was saying, you know, when God gives us an assignment, you know, because we all are born with a purpose in life. And so when that happens and we walk out there in faith, walk on the water in it, he has a responsibility. If he's going to protect his gift, he's going to protect his anointing. So oh, yes. he, he, he has that responsibility. He's going to be accountable for what he has placed in us because ultimately it's about his us. He loves us so much and he wants nothing but except to give. He's that father who gives us good gifts. And so again, you know, in listening to you, and I'm hoping viewers listen, go to my website, whyyouexpressions.com and send in your stories. Your stories are healing for someone else. Your stories can help carry other people across the bridge. For the mothers who are having problems with their children, you don't know in sharing that story, you don't have to give your name, but be transparent and tell what you're dealing with. People need to know that they're not alone, especially now more. This is a very right time in our world, you know, because we connect even though there's been COVID and, and, and so much violence and, you know, what's going on, we have a privilege. It's not about standing in a pulpit. The, you're, right now, just like an opportunity is being offered, hey, sing your story. What you're doing, hey, you're sharing. Healing is taking place. People are opening up and the beauty of it is they're coming to Christ. You're giving them hope. Great, 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 great stuff. Great stuff. All right, let me calm down. Okay. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> okay. With the plays that you have done, what is reoccurring? What is the reoccurring, I can't say the word, message you get from your audience about your performances? Wow. That it uh, the 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 reoccurring uh, comments that I get that is more than entertainment. It's more of a um, it's more of an activation, and uh, that's what I I desire to do in the works that the Lord uh, gives me is to be able to inspire people, to activate them, and hopefully bring them into a new way of thinking. You know, it's 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 one thing to tell your story. It's another thing to tell of your triumph. Okay. And I and I believe that we're in a generation, and uh, you know, there are those that tell their stories, and the story is good. But I I I love to hear your trauma, but I want to see how you made it through. Amen. I want to see I want to see how you battled through. I want to see how you uh, how you weathered the storms of life, and uh, I believe that that's. That's the theme of what God is getting ready to do in his people, that we're going to know of your trauma, but we're going to know just as much of your triumph. 
and what the Lord done to uh, help you to make it through as a testimony of his power. Amen. 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 Um, we are a faith-based show. How has your faith journey helped your career? Great question. Um, my faith in God has really allowed me to stay focused on the uh, main thing. And the main thing is to really inspire and bless people through the gift that God has given me. So my faith in him has really caused me to see things with a different eye. That true success is not so much how much money you make or how far you go, or how many awards you win, but true success is that you heard God you obeyed. And I believe that at the, at, at the end of your life, you consider yourself to be a success if you try to be obedient to the will of God. You mentioned earlier, you said that one of the things in the journey, you want to know how people triumph through it, how what kept them going in the grind. Can you expound from the personal viewpoint uh, about that process, even for you and something in particular and what you where you are now and where you were before? Great question. Uh, as a matter of fact, this is probably my first time ever talking about this on a platform, but uh, I used to be over 700 pounds. Okay. And uh, I had an opportunity to lose about 200 pounds in the last couple of years. And uh, just even in that, I mean, the trauma that came with wondering if I was going to wake up in the morning, oh. you know, going to sleep and just the whole thing that comes with being that obese. But those were the, the, the traumas. But to be able to see me now able to get around like I was not able to do years ago, is that's the triumph that comes behind the trauma. And I just want to encourage even the listeners that, listen, every trauma you have, get excited about the triumph. Get excited about the miracle that comes after the misery. Mm. You know, get excited about the ministry that comes after the massacre, if you will. Mm. And uh, I believe that when you do that, it it will give you the grace and the strength you need to make it through the uh, the most tumultuous times of your life. Wow. 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 And congratulations to you as well. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. What new ventures do you have coming up? Great question. June 6th, June 6th this year, uh, I'll be releasing my first solo project entitled In Times Like These. It is a gospel album. Uh, mm -hmm. We have from contemporary to traditional gospel to CCM, uh, mm -hmm. just a whole plethora of different kinds of music that we're releasing over nine songs that I think is going to be a blessing to the world coming out June 6th on all major platforms. And I'm extremely excited about that. Thank you for asking me too. Okay, you are welcome. Um, we have a few more minutes. Now, you know how they do this, uh, be ready in season and out of season. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. So in these few minutes that we have left, right now, if you had to deliver a message or teaching or whatever, what would you have to say? And what would that message be? What would, what would be that message? <laughs> well, that, that message will be the time is now. 
the time is now. This is the hour. This is the moment that we would literally throw caution to the wind. And I'll say it again and go after what God has given us to go after. You know, the time will the time will never, if you will, be right. But once you really tap in and understand that the the the, the this is the moment, the acceptable glory to God, the most uh, the most right moment of your life. And what I mean by the time not being right, sometimes we're looking for all the conditions to be favorable, but all the conditions won't be favorable. Sometimes you got to obey God when you don't know which way it's coming. You don't understand how it's going to happen. And when you do that, you're going to see a miracle in your life like you've never seen before. So I admonish those. I admonish those that are listening right now, there's a whole lot of different things that I could tell you as far as, you know, uh, Greek and Hebrew and all of these things. But ultimately, I want to tell you, listen, you don't have no more time to waste. That's right. This is that moment. This That's is right. that acceptable time of the Lord. And if yes. you'll go after it, I'm telling you, you will live full and die empty. Amen. And live full and die empty. You are so, 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 so right. This is the time. This is the hour. I believe we're in the last of the last days. And the focus is oh, yes. to motivate you to get up and to get moving. And to live is to live in Jesus Christ. To live is to live out your purpose in your life. Because that's where your fullness of joy through the chaos around us you know, you uh, being able to overcome. One last thing, where can people get uh, in contact with you, your organization? What, how can, how can you be reached? Well, you can look at our ministry up on the World Wide Web at Kingdom Seekers Arts okay. on the World Wide Web. Also, uh, Facebook, Kingdom Seekers International Ministries of Arts. Okay. My personal page is Davis Jonathan. It's kind of inverted. Uh, Davis Jonathan on Facebook. You can look me up or Power and Demonstration Productions, which is the company that I write our plays through. So uh, any one of those platforms will be great to look us up and we would love to hear from you. Thank you so much, Apostle Davis. Um, this has really been a blessing, I'm sure, for our viewers. Um, uh, the time is now and you have you and your wife both have a very beautiful, beautiful ministry. And I just again, thank you so much for coming and being with us today on Young's Uplifting Expressions. It is time for a commercial. However, we will be back for the African Connection after the break. That was fun. Alexa, play or dance playlist. Your playlist. Hurry in for exceptional offers on the new BMW X3 with Alexa built in. Thank you for hanging in here with us on Young's Uplifting Expressions. We are about to go into the African Connection. The African Connection is about culture, arts, entertainment, politics from the African perspective. 
Today, we're going to talk about a history of African hairstyles, maps to escape slavery. And hairstyles have been used to express beauty standards, spiritual devotion, social status, and interestingly enough, during enslavement, our hair has even been made into messages to guide us on our journey to freedom. When we really think about it, this oral history should not be a surprise to us at all because of the numerous ways we style our hair. Cornrows seems to have been a universal African trait, and during slavery, apparently, Africans from South America found creative ways to not only resist slavery, but escape it. Now, there are some who are skeptical of this history in particular, as many are hesitant to rely on oral accounts for this information. In fairness, it would make sense that this knowledge would only survive amongst enslaved people orally, especially because it had to remain a secret amongst enslaved Africans for so long. Even for Africans who did escape with the aid of communication through here, it's unlikely that they would speak much about it after freedom, likely to ensure its continued use amongst other Africans. We're still discovering things today about how Africans resisted, so it's best we remain open. Regardless, the social significance of African hair and how it sends messages has been proven through the records of African civilization. Since ancient times, African hairstyles have revealed a person's age, birthplace, clan membership, socioeconomic status, marital status, and occupation. The most elaborate hairstyles were sported by community leaders and the ruler who was the only one permitted to wear a headdress. Beautiful crowns were fashioned out of leather, gold, beads, and fancy braids. Priests were also recognized by hairstyles that set them apart from other community members. Before marriage, Igbo girls in present-day Nigeria used clay, ground coil, and palm oil to shape their hair into a horn shape that bends toward their brows. While married women have plainer, covered styles, girls in Senegal wear braids and whimsical styles. In Kenya, young Turkana men spend hours getting their hair styled elaborately to show they had completed the initiation rites for adulthood. In some ancient societies, African men wore their hair in a distinctive style when they were about to go to war. This signaled their families to prepare for a possible death. So the use of creative styling with African hair has a very long tradition, and being the adaptable, intelligent people they were, Africans in South America once again drew from that ancient knowledge, supposedly creating roadmaps or signals to freedom through elaborate cornrow patterns. There's some speculation that an enslaved African named Benkos, who formed a maroon community of former enslaved people, used cornrows as a way to relay messages and identify landmarks for freedom. This hasn't been confirmed by mainstream scholars, but it does seem plausible given the extensive history of African hair communication. One local oral historian and hair braider in Colombia named Ziomara Asprilla Garcia explained the history of how hair braiding was used to relay messages. In the time of slavery in Colombia, hair braiding was used to relay messages. For example, to signal that they wanted to escape, women would braid a hairstyle called departes. It had thick, tight braids braided closely to the scalp and was tied into buns on the top. And another style had curved braids tightly braided on their heads. The curved braids would represent the roads they would use to escape. In the braids, they also kept gold and hid seeds which, in the long run, helped them survive after they escaped. 
This oral history is extraordinarily valuable to the African diaspora because it affirms the African tradition of sending messages through hair. The spiritual aspect of African hair remains the center of it all. These enslaved Africans, no doubt, never forgot the significance of it, and so using the hair to communicate in their darkest hour certainly had a spiritual component to it. Because for some African cultures, communication from the gods and spirits was thought to pass through the hair. And I can only imagine that there's nothing more spiritually healing or divine than receiving a message through the hair leading you to freedom. It's one of the most effective ways to use your culture and your crown to liberate yourself from tyranny. Hopefully one day there will be more information on this topic to make it more mainstream within our community because it may help us to appreciate our hair more and take pride in where we come from. Well, I'm all out, guys. Wow, this is amazing. Amazing. Our trivia question is, historically, what has been the significance of African-American women hairstyles? A, during slavery, a roadmap for escape. B, beauty standards. C, spiritual devotion or D, all of the, of the above. I'm sure everybody got this one correct. The answer is all the above. The African braiding was used as roadmaps for slavery. Of course, we know braiding is about beauty standards and they were also used for spiritual devotions. You know, I love the African connection because there's so much rich history with me being an African-American woman that I feel like I need to learn. I feel like we need to learn who we are and why we do what we do. Yes, we say we are new creatures in Christ Jesus, but we still have a human side and we still have an identity that relates us to, takes us into who we are. You know, I've always wondered why there was so much creativity in hairstyles. And all of this comes from the origins of Africa. It comes back from slavery and being able to um, use this that's called being creative and using it as an escape in slavery. Next week on the African Connection, our guest will be Dr. Will Coleman, PhD. He is the associate professor at the Interdenominational Theological Center in Atlanta. He is going to share with us on next week during our African Connection. Thank you so much for watching Young's Uplifting Expressions on today. I want to remind you that we have our podcast platforms are iHeartRadio, Apple, and Spotify. To view our show, be sure you go to e-linetv.com. And remember, you do have to register. It's the red button in the corner on e-linetv.com to view our shows. I've had a wonderful, wonderful time. And don't forget to go to my website, at yuexpressions.com. Please go to my website. Please send a message. Please send a story. 
And again, thank you so, so much. And I am looking forward to being with you again on next week. However, do not forget to get up, to get moving, and to live. It is time for you to live your life. I'll see you viewers on next week.